Welcome to Show Up and Be Seen with Jen Pillipow, a podcast for highly sensitive online entrepreneurs, the coaches, healers, and creators that want to make a difference in this world. Show Up and Be Seen is about thriving with the gifts, talents, and strengths being highly sensitive brings while reducing unhealed tendencies like comparison, imposter syndrome, being hard on yourself, and more. I want to support you in creating an aligned, authentic, and sustainable business because we need more highly sensitive people just like you thriving in their lives and business. Hi, and thank you for joining me today as I chat with Jennifer Kelly, consultant and instructional designer about rejection and negative comments, things that are normal and natural in business and to be expected, but how deeply this can be felt for an HSC and how it can impact the growth of your business. That is where we're focused. We also talk about the difference between knowing when something doesn't align authentically for you and knowing if it's something that actually is for you and needs to be healed. And a lot of people will use complicated workarounds to avoid doing that inner work, but the inner work is where your business will grow. We use examples of marketing yourself in networking events or conferences or online. And I share that I love making Instagram videos and content, but what I didn't get a chance to share is how that this is new. I used to predominantly share only slides and never have pictures or videos of me. And if you check out my page, you'll see that that's not true anymore. That all changed for me when I started working on my inner critic voices, doing subconscious healing and understanding my generational patterns. So that's an example of where it didn't feel like it was authentically aligned for me when I first started doing it, but that was because there were some things that needed to heal first. And it really was for me. I can't express enough how important the inner work is. Get as fancy as you want with marketing and strategies and online courses, but if you quit because things are never good enough, if you have a harsh inner critic voice in your head, if you're scared what people are going to think and say, no matter how amazing your system and strategy is, your mindset will hold you back. Mindset, beliefs, stories, this is the 80% you need to consistently show up and be seen in your business. So this is a really deep and nuanced conversation with Jennifer, and we move through her model of how to receive feedback and criticism, which is just a real factor in today's online world. She talks about the importance of personal, realistic expectations and standards and controlling what is in your control. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jennifer as much as I did, and I hope it allows you to see that being highly sensitive has some wonderful gifts, and we just need to learn how to use them within certain boundaries so that it doesn't sabotage our business, but actually helps it grow and thrive. Onto the show. Now that I have to actively search for more work, I'm doing it very much as a highly sensitive person. So... I'm doing reach outs through email only versus showing up in person or calling or because it's my introvert way to kind of, it's just not my nature to step out of my comfort zone like that. So, and I'm afraid of rejection too. And and the exhaustion and the energy it takes to network and try to connect and get new clients is just exhausting for a highly sensitive person. So I'm doing it 
I guess, through the back door, like just email, <laughs> which is, you know, not is very linear and one one dimensional. And I think for more extroverted or less sensitive entrepreneurs, there is more of a vigor and an energy about asking for a meeting or if you've worked with them before, just showing up or connecting in other ways. I think there's more energy there to do that. And I think that's, I really do think that's how they get business faster. And Mm -hmm. that's my opinion. I I don't have scientific evidence of that, but I would think that any type of, (laughs) it just seems to feel true. Uh, When did you identify or like learn that you were a highly sensitive person? Definitely through criticisms or feedback. So early on in my training career, I was so fixated on getting the evaluations back. It's like my entire reputation, my entire estimate of how I did, my estimation of how I performed or did was entirely dependent on what others said about me. And it it didn't matter what I thought about my performance or delivery. It didn't matter about the work I put in or my evaluation. All that mattered was was seeing what others said about me. And I use the word seeing because early in my career, the evaluations were all printed and they were completed at the end of the day. And participants would complete them and then hand them back to me. So they were in my hands for say 20 minutes before I submitted them to the client and I my heart would be pounding I would frantically take them out of the envelope and I would go through every single one with like a pounding heart sweaty palms because all I could think was if someone says something negative like what if it's true Mm -hmm. and more accurately it's going to be true and it'll devastate me and it took me a long time to move away from that and I still do get very hung up on evaluations but not as I guess as urgently as I did before now I look at them more for constructive feedback but there's always that fear in the back of my mind that I'm going to receive a negative comment and it'll just devastate me and it'll mean I'm terrible at what I do so it's really the that I think we put behind feedback. Yeah. And what's interesting because in your line of work, evaluations are a thing. Like they happen after every training session and they're mandatory. And in like my online world space, you you don't have to do them if you don't want to. And so it's an easy thing to dodge if it makes you really uncomfortable and you're just scared that there's going to be negative feedback. And actually, I remember doing some early, early on when I first started and being like afraid to see both good and bad because seeing the bad was like devastating and seeing the good meant that it was a fluke and I'd never be able to repeat it. And now I have this impossible standard that I'll never reach, even though I was just being me. (laughs) It's repeatable. Yeah. Yeah, I can identify that with as well, but that distorted thinking, right? It was just a fluke. I didn't actually earn this. If you do receive something yes. good. Yeah. Or downplaying playing it. Yep. And so how did you work through it? Was it just over time and just being exposed to it time after time again? I think some of it has been exposed 
experience, especially post-COVID, because I had to quickly adapt and pivot to learning how to teach virtually. And that was a big learning curve for me, but it taught me a lot and I think can turn it naturally, boosted my confidence. So I've gotten better at knowing that I'm doing everything I possibly can, but that you cannot hit the mark every time. And you really have no control over how a client or a participant or a customer is ultimately going to perceive you and what they're going to think. Because that's based on their experience, their mindset at the time, even what they experienced during that day. And there's just so many external factors we can't control. So I try to focus on, I have a list of expectations and standards that I want to hit as a a course developer and a trainer. And then when I feel I've met them, I just kind of have to let that go. And it has helped me. Like I don't obsess over the evaluations coming in like I did. Now, when they do come in, I do get very, I still get really impacted if say there's 12 positive comments, I'll focus on the one Mm -hmm. that said something. And really it's only like constructive feedback, like I didn't like this activity or et cetera, but I will focus in on that. And I have literally changed an entire course because of one comment. And that's something I'm still grappling with. So why I have gotten better at sort of accepting my own evaluation of my work versus looking for validation, I'm still getting trapped by this, okay, I've received a constructive piece of feedback or a comment. That must mean that I have to change everything or that it's not good enough. And that's not accurate. That's very black and white thinking. Well, but that's a really good model, though, to have you have your own set of expectations and your own set of standards and you know if you meet those or not and then leaving it there and then you're less exposed to the negativity that's coming through because you're right there's so much we can't control and I parallel this with like coaches um, and taking too much ownership of their clients results there's so much that goes into healing or working through a belief system that is out of a coach's control. We can show up there, we can hold space, we can ask ask questions, but we have no control over the history that that client is bringing in. And there's lots of times that clients, not on purpose, but they'll leave things out of the story that are important for us to know and because they've forgotten or they've just been living with it so long that they think it's not important. There's generational stories that are coming into it. There's lots of childhood stuff. There's no way you can unpack it in an hour or two or three hours. Like it takes some time and being highly sensitive. It's really easy to, because you want to service, you want to help, you truly want to help people. We can end up taking on so much more responsibility and ownership than what is ours to take on. And that can be really exhausting and draining and, you know, frankly, can make you want to quit. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that's so insightful and and really resonates with me because I think that is what I do. I take on the ownership of people's reactions and people's emotions, which is very natural for an, an empathic, highly sensitive person to do. It's the first hallmark. Now, it can also be a strength because it makes you very responsive to client needs. You will listen really mindfully and carefully and it can be a real strength. I think it's about putting boundaries around that and maybe some self-talk. Like I recognize that I'm responding in this really 
highly sensitive way because it's my nature, but just because it feels this way doesn't mean it's actually accurate or real mm-hmm. and just talking yourself down off the staircase that you climbed yourself because of one comment or one lost job offer, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And I think part of, so it, it is that um, compassionate and realistic self-talk that you can have to repair after you're feeling that way. But I think also going into it, your model of, you know, having your own expectations and having your own set of standards is so important so that you know where your responsibility starts and ends. There's also room for just backing your own standards, like just saying to yourself, I know I have done everything I can here. I have given my best. I have tried my best. And an acceptance around that. And then that self-support, like this is what I've offered. I feel I have done everything that is within my power to do. And I will support myself once I have put this out to the world or to the client, et cetera. And that takes a lot of self-discipline because the other piece about being highly sensitive that is that it only takes, you know, one wrong look or one yeah. Well, one comment to, to throw us back in that tailspin. Yeah. yeah. And it cannot, it's not even necessarily like someone saying something negative, but if somebody answers really short and bluntly like, yes. <laughs> yes. or just like a one word answer, it's like, Oh, <laughs> exactly. And, and then we're, you know, we're up till three in the morning. Yeah. Thinking, what did that look like mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, supporting yourself is such a big part of it and doing that repair when we start to take that spiral that this isn't helpful. I think too, I mean, I get really caught in my own head. Like I'm so highly sensitive that I'm super aware again of people's tone of voice or expressions. And when I become hyper-focused on that, I get really lost in my head. And that's when I start making errors. That's the interesting part. That's when I actually do start tripping over my words or saying an expression that, or making a joke that doesn't really fit the context. Like that's where you start doing that or or showing up inauthentically because in your mind, your focus is people pleasing or getting people to like what you or what you're offering. And it just becomes this vicious being trapped in your mind and for me that's where I'll make the most mistakes versus prepping myself with that valuable self-talk before I go into the situation and this and then kind of bringing back my thoughts to that trying to just anchor myself in the moment yeah really important that makes sense because if the part of your mind that is working on your presentation and focused on that information is now thinking about how people are perceiving them and trying to be in their heads and figure it out, you're no longer focusing on what you're doing. So of course you're going to start making mistakes and exactly saying and, things that don't make sense. <laughs> and that's the irony. Like then you probably could get uh, some yeah. you know, the feedback that's not... <laughs> You know, reflective of what you really did. It's just because, but that's because you're in your own head trying to control mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. are outside of your control. Yes. Letting the sensitivity run away. Okay. That's it's another fun. really important piece that I want to talk about. And it's, it's, so it's having expectations of what our own standards are 
And those expectations need to be things that we can control. Because once we get into having expectations around things we can't control, we're just setting ourselves up for a lot of disappointment and a lot of um, heartache. Yes, I think so too. And I think part of that is recognizing what inner label you're also going in with. Like for me, I've realized I'm the inner critic. The inner critic is always with me. For some listeners, it might be imposter syndrome. It might be self-doubt. Like we're usually carrying in in some of our, our baggage. That suitcase contains distorted thinking but also these distorted labels that we've already pre-attached to ourselves from childhood, et cetera. And then we're taking that into every situation. And then you combine that with being hypersensitive, deep feeling, and you wonder why (laughs) I'm just emailing. I can't, I can't phone or sit down like for long. Yeah. In one of the memos that you sent me, I laughed out loud because you're like, it's so ironic that you and I chose this path of entrepreneurship. <laughs> We're so highly sensitive and all these things are so much harder. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, to go back to something that we've commented on before, the energy, the energy it takes to to be on your own as a business person, networking, connecting, building content, securing clients, building that. I mean, it's just, it's super hard for introverted, highly sensitive people. It just is. And I have to admit, like, I can't stand it. And I'm in the wrong field then, or that's my instinct. But that's not the case as we're learning through what you've been offering us. Like there is a place for us and in many ways these challenges can also be our greatest strengths but it's a matter of tapping into that and putting boundaries around yeah and I think it's really important to know yourself so that you know what kind of business that you're building because at this day and age there's so many options and so if showing up on social media is definitely not your thing and that's not just a shadow like it's just really not matching your energy then that's not what you should be doing. And there's another way to do it. And so just knowing what an authentic business means for you. And this also means that we can't just follow along some other coach that is saying, if this worked for me, do it just like me. Cause that doesn't, that's not building a sustainable, authentic business. That's an excellent point. And I think it might be because we've been told this messages, like just what I just said, you know, you have to, if you want to get new clients, I have to be showing up at events or et cetera. Like I'm never going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. So, you know, I'm not saying that I can't put myself in situations to grow, et cetera. I think there's a balance there between taking a, a, a weakness or something that's not aligned with you and trying to force it which I don't think is a productive or efficient way like you were saying like you have to accept what drains your energy and accept that some things just aren't for you when it comes to securing clients or whatever it is but then at the same time it's finding that compromise between you know you need clients or exact or whatever it is but you also know that traditional methods aren't going to work and I think business people who are highly sensitive have been taught that unless you get out there like the extrovert, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. It's so funny because this is why I don't talk to my husband about my business details or how I grow my business because 
He is an extroverted, high energy salesperson who leads a team of salespeople. And so in his mind, he thinks that I should just be going to like networking events and, and yes. going out there and pounding the pavement. And that is just not my personality. My personality is more online webinar, um, workshops, yeah. um, one. Yeah. And, and Instagram, I love Instagram and I love the videos and I love the photos like that. That all makes sense to me. And I think after this amount of time, I've realized that, um, you know, me going out and just doing like conferences, that's not just a shadow part of me. I'm trying to hide. That's just legit. Not me. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. It's like, well, this isn't me. I dread it then you avoid or I I don't want to do this but at the same time you have a business need like you need new clients you need to make money whatever it is so then I think it's finding what aligns to your personal strengths and making something work for you in a way where you have boundaries around it like for example I know that I'm much better with one-on-one so my first instinct is going to be to email this client, I just, you know, that's where I'm going to go, maybe even for comfort and security. But then it's like, okay, I've done that. My second step might be making another connection, but my way, like maybe I'll have a coffee for an hour with them versus trying to nail them down at the next social event, which I won't go to. So it's just recognizing, well, how much energy do I have to give? What can I tolerate and be comfortable with? And then just making that work and again, supporting yourself, Mm -hmm. right? If the networking event isn't for you, then what is? What's a variation on? Yeah. I mean, you've flown to Vancouver to meet with clients and get to know them and spend time with them and see them in their environment and things like that. And and your way of doing it aligns with you authentically. And so then when people meet you, they are meeting who you are and not who you think you have to be, which is so important. Exactly. And, you know, that's a really good example mentioning, because really my client in Vancouver is the only one that I do this big in-person reach out to. But even that, I only do what I can tolerate. Like I've often been asked out, you know, to go to for drinks that night or dinner, I'm just not going to do that. I so I just it's always a decline. But then I'll compromise. Like, but how about I'll come to campus and I'll meet you and we'll walk across for lunch or yeah. And yeah. I just so I do go in person, but I make it based on my comfortable parameters. And for the most part, like people just accept that because sometimes they just want to see you anyway. So if you turn down the offer for drinks and dinner, like it's still okay. Again, I think we we feel shame or like I should have done that. I should be pushing myself. For the most part, as long as the person has felt they've connected with you in a genuine way to go back to your point, that's actually all that's going to remain. And this is where being highly sensitive can be a strength because Others who may focus more on high socialization or networking, they it's possible they might be missing those opportunities for meaningful conversation because their focus is on socializing and getting in That's right. you know, their face time with people, right? Versus us, our focus is always on meaningful connection. So, okay, we didn't go for dinner and drinks, but we did have an hour coffee where we talked about some really deep, profound things and you mm-hmm. got to know the person. That's what stands out in the client's mind 
not the fact that you turn down drinks later. Yes, yeah. Are you a highly sensitive coach, healer, creator, and know that you'd benefit from learning how to use your sensitivity in ways that actually move your business forward and not keep you stuck? You can join my workshop or group online program and other HSCs so that you can get out of your own way and start serving more clients. Head over to the show notes or visit the link on my Instagram page for more details. Now back to the show. Do you remember before you started a business, did you know that you were highly sensitive? No. You didn't know? <laughs> I, I didn't. Isn't that ironic? Because at first I started my business as a side hustle. So yeah. all I saw in the side hustle was the other side of my personality, which is someone who is very driven and likes all kinds of variety of projects. And, and as a side hustle, that's all I really got to see because I was only doing a contract like once a month. It was only when I started doing it full time, when I became a consultant full time that I realized, oh, <laughs> I'm really high, highly sensitive. I don't like marketing myself. I, I wouldn't know what to do on social media. So it was only when I started doing it full time, I started to realize I'm not the traditional consultant as defined probably by mainstream society. It's so interesting to me how being an entrepreneur was finally like the mirror you needed to see to understand this piece of you, because it's not like you weren't highly sensitive before in your corporate job. So true. But I think where I didn't feel connected to that, like I, it just, I, I don't know, I, it didn't bother me as much because I hated being in an office and, and I just, it didn't, it didn't feel authentic to me anyway. So it's, it's almost like it didn't become as apparent to me because I don't think I was really being authentic anyway, if that makes sense. Cause I didn't like the environments and I felt like I was always putting on a show. Yeah. Um, but being yeah. in a or is my true self. So that's when your true things rise to the surface. And if you're highly sensitive, chances are you're highly self-aware. And when you're self-aware, you just know everything or you get to learn quickly about your patterns and behaviors and thought processes. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that the um, the link here really is that authenticity because to be in a corporate job, like I think about myself and my nine to five how much I had to dissociate and shut down in order to just be there. And then, like you said, you start doing what you're meant to be doing and you have an authentic business and you're doing your own thing and you're an entrepreneur. Then all of a sudden you're allowing yourself to be yourself and you can understand your true nature. That That is so true. And I think at first it can be scary, right? Because that's when you're starting mm -hmm. to that you're sensitive or you need certain things that others don't and it feels really impossible and scary but if you take this approach of just embracing that and working with it which is really what we've been talking about is not trying to block out this these qualities not trying to pretend we're an extrovert or someone else but working with what we have and setting boundaries around it Mm hmm. This is why I love entrepreneurship. I mean, I love it for so many reasons, but I also think that it's so healing because you I mean, a lot of people are drawn to this work because it's them. It's in their blood. It's just who they are. And so as we start exploring more about what that means, then it, it also shows us where we get scared. And that's usually what needs to be healed. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's been an interesting time for me because the first three years of my business, I was relying on word of mouth and I was successful at it. Like, honestly, I didn't, this sounds really, I'm so guilty saying this, but I, I didn't need to market myself. It just, I had a good local base, I think, where I was doing it on the side for so long mm. and just took that local base and I expanded it. And my business was unique in the sense that COVID impacted it in a positive way because I there was a chance to innovate and I took it. Now I'm in a situation where I do need to be actively seeking new work, new clients. And I use this word again, network, all of these things like I'm shrinking from and dreading. So now it's like, okay, I have to, I need a certain thing for my business. It's not my personality or style. It doesn't feel good. So I need to create a way to get what I need from my business, but in a way that works for me, is comfortable for me and aligns with my strengths. And I think that's the struggle. And here's where, again, people give up. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the nuance around comfort and growth and strengths. So we talked a little bit about how um, you know, we have to understand what is truly authentic to us and we're not, not doing something because we're just scared of it. And that's like a shadow part that we need to look at and heal. So how do you know the difference between what is authentically you and what you're just scared to do that you probably should do? What a great question. Oh my gosh. I would say it's super hard to tell that. Like, I think my instinct, like I said, to connect with who I think might be a per- prospective client, I'll just choose email. I think that's a habit. I think that's an instinct because I sh- I know that I will shrink away because I it drains my energy to be in person or I feel all awkward. Or it's just not me. So I think that's a habitual reaction. Do I think there's room for some growth there? Yes, but I think if I had a reaction in my body as well, like feeling palm sweating or getting nauseous, that might be an indication to me that, look, this presents something really scary and this may not be the method I need to do right now, or maybe I need to work out what these feelings mean versus, I guess, forcing my way through it or talking myself into a growth moment. And it's tough to know. I think what you raise is such a great point. Like we don't want to be shrinking and hiding either. Think it's paying attention to what the body and the mind is saying, because the mind tends to be automatic. You know, it's going to be my instinct. So I'm going to send an email. I don't even think about that. But if my body say I decided to phone and I my then that might be an indication like this represents something deep for me. I might need to work this out versus if it's just an automatic thought, then yeah, maybe I could challenge myself to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. If, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think that the other thing that I would add to it is maybe also looking at your patterns and, and your traits. So, cause we know that there are some pretty common traits with being a highly sensitive person, some common traits with being an introvert. And if we identify with those things, then, you know, maybe it's, um, you said something about how maybe that's not the right path for me right now. And I think that there's a room for 
dipping your toes in a little bit and trying things and seeing how it feels and seeing how your energy is afterwards and checking in with your body and seeing how your body is feeling. Because I think the bottom line is that if you consistently force yourself, your mind and your body to do things that you are uncomfortable with, extremely uncomfortable with, that's not going to be sustainable. And and it's not, that can just lead to burnout that can lead to quitting. So understanding yourself and knowing how to work with yourself and dipping your toes in and when to come out and when to rest and when to try something new, when you feel that you can sustain it. Yes. And I think that self-monitoring is really important like during the new thing that you've decided to try and then the the after reflection just sort of rating you know okay I did better than I thought or it was exactly what I thought this isn't for me I think one of the benefits of being highly sensitive is that we're so visceral we know immediately or I do anyway I know immediately I will recoil from something I know that is not going to work for me. Like I will physically recoil. So we, in a weird way, it can be used almost as a a strength, I guess, or an indicator, you know, just sort of telling myself, I know me, I know when this particular method or action is not for me, I will immediately recoil. (laughs) So letting that guide me, I guess, it's almost an oxymoron, but letting it guide me. Mm-hmm. so to go back to my whole thing I just connect via email I think I know that I can easily place a phone call <laughs> but I'm choosing not to do it because I know it'll drain my energy etc versus me going to a networking event I it's like everything in me is recoiling so I've got to look <laughs> for something in the middle there I've got to look for something that plays on my strengths but also offers a bit of growth I guess yeah that makes sense yeah because I feel like um that slower growth will just be more sustainable you'll be able to integrate it more rather than just try to do everything all at once that you're totally not comfortable with that can just lead to burnout yeah and that's a good point like just making micro steps you Mm -hmm. know like I just doing micro steps or pre-planning I think uh really helps like okay, I know I need X for my business. What, and I know that I'm not going to do this. So what can I do? What are my parameters around it? So Mm -hmm. for example, if I'm going to go out with the person one-on-one, I know that I'm going to want a short duration. I'm not going to be doing evening activities. So just sort of framing it up so that you're still meeting the client's needs Mm -hmm. by having exchange, but you're not also completely evaporating your energy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's it for the show today. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation, talking about highly sensitive entrepreneurs. And maybe you heard yourself in some of these stories and in what we shared. And my hope is that what you take away is that your high sensitivity are your important gifts and we need to learn how to elevate those in a way that doesn't obstruct what we're trying to do with growing our business or helping our clients that's all for this week i hope you have a great day and we'll catch up again next week bye for now thank you for joining me today if you enjoyed this podcast one way to support me is to subscribe and leave a review because this will help more people find my work If you're interested in the show up and be seen group online program, head over to the show notes or visit my Instagram page for the link to receive more information. 
This podcast is recorded in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land of the Cree people and the homeland of the Métis Nation. If you're not sure whose land you're on, I invite you to get curious by visiting native-land.ca.